0: Welcome to Game Talk Radio, your hosts Greg and Jen, bringing you their take on this week's hottest gaming news. Welcome everyone, back to Game Talk Radio. (laughs) I'm Greg.
1: I'm Jen. I'm laughing because right before Greg usually hits record, he puts his hand in the air and just like a maestro preparing.
0: (laughs) It's like I'm directing my symphony, (laughs) conducting my symphony. Yes. And I'm getting ready to drop it.
1: Like it's
0: hot. Like it's lukewarm. Okay. Welcome everybody back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg.
1: I'm Jen. We already said that. This is
0: episode 16.
1: Sweet 16.
0: And, you know, but I get a flow, you know, and you killed my flow again.
1: Sorry, I didn't. I I got a
0: flow. (laughs) Hello, everyone. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So, episode 16 and the theme of today, because, you know, the theme thing kind of worked last time. It did. Uh, and as I start to put these on YouTube, I want to just have, I want to have something in the title besides
1: episode 16,
0: EP 16, GTR game talk radio. Woo. You know?
1: Oh yeah. We're on YouTube now. So we're on
0: YouTube now, uh, which I'm sure hopefully more people get to see. Most people I've talked to are much happier listening to it on YouTube. Weird. Yeah. It, I just SoundCloud, you a lot of times need a separate app for.
1: It. Yeah, but it's free. It's a free app.
0: True. But it's just one more thing to do. Everyone's Yay. on YouTube already. Plus it's easy to subscribe to us and um, it's easier to get uh, notifications and updates and stuff. I
1: suppose.
0: So anywho. Um. So the theme of this week's podcast is everything old is new again. Yes. Speaking uh most of our stories this week are uh, updates to old stories we've done before. So for instance, we're starting off talking about the story we talked about last week.
1: Yes, which is the Super Nintendo Entertainment System games going missing $10,000 worth sometime or somewhere in New Jersey.
0: Right. So if you remember last week, we were talking about this. So quick recap, European guy, German guy has a whole bunch of European Super Nintendo games. Guy in the U.S. wants to archive originals. He this guy sends him 100. He sends it back. No problem. Guy sends the next hundred that are apparently worth ten thousand dollars gets lost in the mail. Yes. Uh The guy who uh, they were being sent to buy you. He, uh, he, he, was, he received a letter from the post office with the address label that was ripped off in, the, sh- in the box and said, hey, here's your label. We don't know where your package is. Sorry, tough luck. So then he uh, he went on a tirade. He went crazy trying to you know message people, try to call people, figure out what's going on. There was no news. And then apparently, because the stories were getting so much traction, somebody higher up the chain actually was reading the articles and went out of his way to try to figure it out. So, and I don't know how this works, but my guess would be, that the post office, when something like that happens, clearly the box is still there. Right. They don't just throw the box away. No. So that box that no longer has any information about what's where it's supposed to go, I would assume goes to some center somewhere and then gets inspected, finds out what it is, and then they wait for a complaint to come through, basically saying what they're missing in the dimensions of the box and stuff like that.
1: Also, I mean, if you've ever mailed anything, any large packages, they do like to put several barcodes, several stickers. Amazon is a perfect example. They usually have a barcode on the top label with your address, but then a barcode usually somewhere else. Right,
0: like another identifying marker. Exactly. It may not get you to your house, but they could say, hey, here's the scan number on the back, find it, and you'd be okay.
1: Right. So sure. I would agree. I, I think that there's some sort of either area within that sorting facility where it just stays until somebody claims it or or makes a complaint. But there were pictures posted on the updated article where there it is. It was actually two boxes inside of a larger box, it seems. Okay. And was covered with packing tape and everything like okay. that. So I don't know if the two boxes were meant to be shipped separately or for whatever reason. It's probably the guy, just good packing material. Yeah. Like he probably
0: put fifty in a box and that's each box yeah. was like perfect. Uh so so yeah, that that's I mean that's good news, obviously. So he's saying that uh he had a case and on February twenty first he got an email saying that it, the package had been located. So he contacted his rep and the rep said, uh, the search had failed and the notification was errant. <laughs> so then he was like oh, okay whatever <laughs> so then this the rep later called him in the day advising that someone in atlanta georgia the mail recovery center in atlanta georgia had just located the package
1: See, now that that makes me think like what you were saying was that they they have all these mislabeled or unlabeled packages that get sent to a larger facility somewhere but how they knew that that was his with no identifying markers whatsoever unless Bayou was able to get in contact with Smart Human, who was the the person in Germany and say, you know, what did you wrap it in? What did what did it look like? Did you take pictures and then possibly forward those pictures on to more easily locate it?
0: Yeah. Well, he actually says here that uh, he because he had taken pictures of the other box that was sent, this box was sent almost the exact same way. Ah. So he was able to get the exact dimensions and take lots of pictures. Um
1: that's good. So that's
0: good. So that was good on his part. So uh, that's
1: something for us all to to keep in mind if in an event or if in the future you need to send something through the USPS or even through FedEx or or UPS or anything like that to take pictures of your packages
0: yeah well i think it's a good idea whenever you're sending something if you value that at ten thousand dollars yes you take a bunch of pictures yeah and you you know what you do and you have fail safes like what he should have done is there should have been another letter inside the box yes with the address where to ship it to you know if the label gets ripped off like all these little things like the two boxes inside should have also had addresses like these packages are meant to be part of one bigger package going here Mm -hmm. like obviously not everyone's going to think of that the first time. You got to almost get burned a little bit right. to be able to think of that stuff. But so that's good. I still feel like it's a little fishy because when we reported this story originally.
1: We thought maybe that.
0: Well, well, we, we said originally, remember, we had said that the guy wasn't asking for handouts. He was going to pay out of his own money slowly but surely, right?
1: Well, he's, the, what he had said was that he wanted to pay back smart human. And he wasn't trying to solicit. He did receive over $1,000 via PayPal. And a little over $100 via whatever Patreon, Patreon is.
0: So Patreon is like a subscription service. So cool. imagine like we had a Patreon page. People can can pay you a certain amount per month, basically, to subscribe oh, to you. So okay. they could say they want to pay 50 cents a month.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: you set up tiers. So like you could say, if you pay us $5 a month, every month we'll send you a letter in the mail. Oh, I and
1: see. And for 20
0: bucks a month, like actually, um, Implant Games, uh, there's a guy, local guy, Chris, who does a great podcast called Implant Games. His podcast, he has Patreon and he does like bead sprites for people that yeah. pay a certain amount every month. So he just like ships them out and stuff. So it's kind yeah, of a cool I idea. Do that. Yeah. Um, you but, know.
1: But anyway, I mean, is it a little fishy? Maybe, but how are you going to prove it? I mean, he could have realized, well, oh crap, this has gotten so much traction. I need to not. Well,
0: I don't. I don't know. I'm not saying it's fishy because I think something was like he stole them, but I think. Originally, he said he wasn't going to ask for donations and money, but then he was using the opportunity to say, "But I have Patreon, and I ha- it's almost like he was using it as a way to like get support from people." And it mm-hmm. felt like to me when I was reading his his reaction to it about, "Well, I have Patreon, and and uh, and and you can you know PayPal me if you want to help out." I just was kind of like, "I okay, this sounds terrible, but I'm just going to say it. How dare he!" I kind of feel like, how dare he? <laughs> it's not his fault, right? No, right. But how, I, I just feel like, who is he to ask his fans and people who believe in the project to kind of take on that responsibility? It was his responsibility, and it was smart humans' responsibility. I, I get really, like, you. what do I preach on here all the time, guys? I always preach personal responsibility. <gasps> and, and I'm sick of, like, like even crowdfunding in general, like Kickstarter and stuff, while I, I, I play along with some. I also feel like that's almost, something like a lot of developers go on Kickstarter and they want us to take all the risk. We're the customer. Like, why are we, you know, like, like we're the fans of, of Bayou and his project. Why, why is it, you know, I mean, now I'm not saying that people aren't going to want to come out and help because that would make them feel good. And I'm okay with that. But it's almost like, I hate when people it's, it's like when the, when a cop pulls you over for speeding and he goes. You know, you were going eighty-five and a fifty-five, but I bumped it down to seventy five, so I got you less of a ticket. I did that for you. It's like, well, is it much of a favor if you're rubbing it in my face that you did me a favor?
1: Well, here's the thing. It just I, feels
0: disingenuous to me.
1: I think people were probably soliciting him not soliciting him, but offering, Hey, this really sucks. I wanna give you some some money to help offset what you have to pay back. Yeah. And I think the only reason he put it on there was to save himself from having to answer email after email after post after post. Then that's fair. I I guess I'm looking
0: at the worst. Hey, if you really,
1: if you really, really want to give me money, give me to PayPal. Give me to Patreon. But I'm not looking for it. But sometimes people just want to help. Mm -hmm. Where if I was following this project from the start, or even shortly after he began, and I read that, and I was totally vested and invested in this sort of project, I probably would have said, hey, let me throw 20 bucks or whatever your way to help offset that, because, man, that really sucks. Now, what I hope is that he gives that money back.
0: Well, I would sure hope so.
1: That that would be that would be more fishy.
0: And even if he even if he does though, say or, he I got, mean if
1: he didn't, that would be more fishy.
0: Well, well, what if he got like fifteen? Let's say, let's say he got a hundred new Patreon followers from the whole ordeal, and now they're each paying him another 5 dollars a month. He's just making or five dollars a month. So now he's making five dollars a month off people that, you know, like like I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just. The whole thing just feels off to me. And it just kind of is off-putting. I don't know. It's just weird.
1: Well, they I think the, the the best thing is they found the games. And he can continue with this project.
0: Well, I don't think he's going to continue with the project still. At least not shipping them from that guy. Like yeah. He's going to continue the project by buying them himself and stuff like that. And I guess at least he got 200 of the games out of the way.
1: Exactly. So now he can work on
0: the other six hundred on his own. Or it might it
1: take him a little longer than he wanted, and he may still he may still work with Smart Human. He may still do the exchange, but just in a more responsible way. Yeah. And honestly, the fact that the label got ripped off that could happen to any package. Absolutely. It just happened to happen to ten thousand dollars worth of video games. But think about it's kind of like the The odds of you being in a plane crash, when you compare how many people fly every single minute of every single day, and how many of those actually there are problems that cause a plane crash, it's you're safer flying than you are driving in your own car.
0: Yeah, that still doesn't make me feel better.
1: Well, I'm sorry, but it's true.
0: <laughs> it, it is. I'm not. I'm not disputing the facts. But I'm just with you know. with
1: the u the U.S. Postal Service get such a bad rap because all we hear about are when things go wrong.
0: You don't hear about the ten thousand successful packages that deliver every day in the state.
1: Exactly. You know? And that's True. and that's the thing that really bothers me, especially with a service industry like the US Postal Service. They're they're a dying industry right now because people are, you know, using a lot of FedEx and UPS and all that kind of those kind of companies. But they're trying to keep up, and we just hear about the bad stuff that right. happens. But you know, I get three letters in the mail every other day. You know, and I don't complain about that
0: because
1: yeah. <laughs> I get the letters.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not. We don't have any complaints when you your mail is successfully delivered 364 days a year, right? And not on that that last day or whatever. So, um. But yeah, so I mean, I guess all's well that ends well. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's so. it's a positive follow up. It's not like you know some of the other things so now (laughs) the next uh follow-up then from a previous story we have is uh, a few months ago we were talking about uh, a game development company called digital homicide and they were suing yes a youtube a youtuber named uh, jim sterling that's his youtube name uh and they were suing him They were blaming him for things like harassment and saying that he was liable for damaging their company for the tune of like ten million dollars because he basically played their awful game and said it was awful.
1: Well, yeah, various lawsuits. Now now here comes a lawsuit. Liable, slander, assault. It was super high profile, and it was. After Jim Sterling criticized their per- first-person shooter game called Slaughter Grounds. Yeah,
0: if and we we talked about it, but like to to touch back on it, basically he played it. It wasn't even a review; he just did like a like a preview or something of it. Like he played it. He
1: played it, and then he was like, oh, and, he, all right, and he was making it fun terrible. of it the whole time, blah, blah, blah. and
0: it was funny because you know what he is—he's a comedian for your entertainment on the internet. Okay, so it's funny. So then though, like the guys from Digital Homicide, the, like the main guy Romine, he he takes Jim Sterling's video, then like does a, almost like I guess you call it a reaction video, but yeah. he like dubs over Jim Sterling's video review and then does his own commentary about how <laughs> stupid and, and and annoying Jim Sterling is. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. Jim Sterling, being the hilarious guy that he is, he thinks it's funny. And then I think he did another video, and then they started going back and forth. And then there's this really I don't know if I ever played that for you. Yeah, but it's there was like this, this
1: cringy phone call. The cringy
0: phone call. Basically, Jim set up a Skype call with him. And, and, you know, and this guy, basically, he seems like he's just really upset at Sterling for crapping on his game. And, uh, and, and it's, just really cringy, like, you know, Hey man, you, you make money on YouTube, just rip it off other people's work and blah, blah. And it was mm-hmm. just really, it was really cringy. Honestly, it was, but anyway, so then, you know, after all that, this guy officially takes him to court and it doesn't get thrown out. Like it, it legitimately is going to go to court. Like they're scheduled to go to court, which just seems crazy. That somebody on the YouTube could play something and go, my opinion is that this game sucks. Mm -hmm. And just because he's got thousands of people that listen to him means he can't say that? You know, it it really starts to get a little sketchy, right? So anyway, goes to court. The follow-up, though, is another positive one because it's been uh, dismissed with prejudice.
1: Right. And if anybody doesn't know, a case dismissed with prejudice is over and done with. Uh, once and for all, and can't be brought back to court. That's according to IllinoisLegalAid.org's website. A case dismissed without prejudice means exactly the opposite. So it's not dismissed forever. And the person whose case it is can try again. So basically, this is the the last we're going to hear about this lawsuit.
0: Yes. And so this is my favorite part about the story. So this is Jim Sterling commenting on it. He says... For those curious about this resolution, I was not a direct part of the communication between Romine and my lawyer. But as I understand it, the agreement to drop the suit with prejudice was the result of Hartman, that's his lawyer, his enviable reasoning ability. <laughs> the, the, plaint, uh, the plaintiff agreed to drop his case after my lawyer explained exactly what would happen if this went to court and how we would respond.
1: Ah. So
0: that to me, end quote. So that to me tells me that basically the lawyer said, look, we go to court and you lose, we're gonna, we're gonna beat you this way. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna sue you backwards. <laughs> and you're gonna have to pay all the court costs at a minimum. Yep. And so I think he looked at all that stuff. And the guy like, you know, what? I don't have a case. Jim Sterling found a lawyer that was competent. Yes. And, and dare I say, excelling at his job. <laughs> and he basically just put the spurs to him and said, here's the deal. And that was it. So, you know, another good one, it, it, it goes back to, you know, obviously, there's a lot of, there's a lot of confusion about the idea of the first amendment and the yes. first amendment free speech allows you to say what you want without being persecuted by the government. It does not mean you can say whatever you want. As we touched upon last week with the PewDiePie thing, it doesn't yes. mean you can say whatever you want without any consequences from anyone. Mm-hmm. Any private entity can say, you know, I don't want to do business with you based on the things you say. That's totally normal. And that's totally acceptable. It was the same thing. Like when the duck dynasty guys oh, were, yeah. getting, were getting, we getting razzed for things they said. And people were like, it's free. You can't cancel their show. It's free speech. They absolutely can cancel their yes, show. They can. <laughs> They're a private company, so I mean you you want to well, try to tell a private company that they can't do what they want to
1: do? It's got to like, be like well, within contractual. Like there's probably exactly. some sort of thing within their contract that says at any point they can deem them, you know, It's honest.
0: some sort of like nobility clause basically Yeah, I where mean, they that's have a clause I mean. that they, they they can choose if anything offensive is said that they can terminate the contract. Right.
1: Exactly. That so I I agree with you like they can drop them if If they're willing to either go against the contractual obligations or be able to incur the penalties of terminating that contract.
0: And it's totally up to that company. You know, it's really up to them. And if they terminate the contract without due reason, then that person can sue them. Exactly. And that's how it works in America. Because people just sue each other all the time. That's all we do.
1: I don't think the Duck Dynasty people ever did sue.
0: They didn't get canceled either. I mean, the show. Did I think, I'm pretty sure they didn't get canceled. Why up is to that you. show still on? I, why people it's, watch it? I don't know.
1: It's funny though because they didn't always look that way. Meaning, like the long beards with the whatever. Mm-hmm. The, like if you look at pictures from them, like maybe six, even as you know, close as like four to five years ago. They're all like clean shaven. Like they they look completely different. So it was an image. It was a persona they were trying to yeah. emulate, which to me is just. ugh. All right. Well, and, and, just like, <laughs> and just
0: like how, just like how Jim Sterling was able to say what he wanted to, I believe those guys should be able to say what they want to, but you have to understand again, personal responsibility. I can say whatever I want in my store. Mm-hmm. I can say whatever I want to an extent. I can say whatever I want. But that doesn't mean that the customers in my store aren't going to hear what I say mm-hmm. and go, yikes, I don't want to shop there anymore.
1: Right. And I've actually not shopped at certain stores because of how I felt when I was in there. Sure. Like, you like, made to feel really uncomfortable or if somebody, like, pushy salespeople. was like, Dude, I'm in a clothing store. Please leave me alone to try on clothes. You yeah. don't need to help me. You don't I am... need to come
0: into the changing room with me. I can get this underwear on myself. Thank you, sir.
1: Now, if I was like a different person, maybe maybe that would be what they wanted. That isn't what I want. Mm. And that's my choice as a customer. So you're totally right. Absolutely. It's, it's the customer who says, you know what? I heard what this guy said. I'm going to take it at, what, at face value yeah. and I'm going to choose not to shop there anymore.
0: And it's why you don't talk about very hot topics and, and like hot issues in the store. Like, you know, especially about politics, because everyone has their own opinions on politics. Oh, for sure. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I have my own views. That I'm very strong about too. But what it comes down to is I'm a company. I'm a store trying to be a successful company. When I'm there, I'm a representative of that company. I'm not a representative of myself. And that doesn't mean, um, and I've had people in the store make racist comments before, and I've shut them down. That, is, that There there are certain points I will I will step out of that. You know, I'm not always trying to be like this wishy-washy middleman. But when it comes to like giving political opinions on things, a lot of times that sort of stuff, to me, it doesn't have anything to do with the business. The business sure. should always be kept separate from that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if someone on your friends list didn't like what you said on Facebook, and then they went to the, the Facebook page and they gave me a one-star review because they're like, oh, I just... I, I'm just mad at Greg. I don't want to. Do it. You know, like that's never happened to me, but that would really frustrate me because then I start to feel like then I can't say what I want to say, mm-hmm. and it should never affect your business. But if it happens at your business, you're associating those comments with the business itself. If I'm the owner and I'm there every day, and I say these things, they're associating those things with the business. It's just how sure. it goes, you know. So again, you you say things, and you sh- and they have the right to say whatever they want. They just have to understand that they have to take responsibility for whatever consequences that follows. And and I guess to a point, Jim. Had to understand that there were be there could be consequences when he's ripping on a game now, that that those people might try to come after him for it. And and there are he he was tweeted at a couple times, and I, I'm pretty sure it was people just trolling him. But I was reading this Twitter after he announced this the first time, there were some tweets that he was getting that were saying things like that these people that were tweeting at him were from certain other companies, and that if even if they don't think they can win, they're going to start bringing up lawsuits against him just to to mentally tax him oh, and to stress him gosh. out. And to make him think twice before knocking bad games.
1: And that's kind of where I, what I was going to say. Was that I can't even imagine how much time and energy and money went into this whole farce of a lawsuit that yeah. Digital Homicide had. It's just, I can't even imagine. And he may second guess. Like you said, he may second guess. Or question the next sort of negative thing he posts because he doesn't want to have to go through yeah. that again. I, I know mean, that I wouldn't.
0: Luckily, that's just not his style. Well, like, let's hope You not. know, I, 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 I've, I don't know him personally, obviously, but like just watching his videos, like he prefers the comedy and he prefers all that stuff over the being right. Um, now it did say though, that both Sterling and Romine were left to pay their own legal costs. So it is costing him money, whatever yeah. this lawyer costs him. I mean, that's all out of his own pocket.
1: Sounds like a really good lawyer, which means he's a really expensive yeah. lawyer. But but, And I don't know if this
0: is the same guy, but there's a guy on Reddit that you can tag and he, spe- he like specializes in video game law. So, wow. he, so he works on like special projects, like say someone had some of their ideas stolen by another game company. Oh. And a lot of times he does pro bono work too. I don't know if it's this guy and I don't know if he would do that for Jim, but you know, Basically, this, that guy seems pretty great. He's always around Reddit. People tag him all the time. It's great. He,
1: he might be uh, a fan, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If, Especially if he's I, absolutely. a video game kind of guy.
0: Well, I think he was just a lawyer, and then he helped a few people out with a few things. And, and then like, all of a sudden, oh, he got tagged good. as the video game lawyer. And he's like, <laughs> hey, I'll take that.
1: I will, um, but that's I will.
0: not a bad way to spe- specialize. I mean, look look at the way the world's going. Look at all mm-hmm. the people that do Twitch streaming and videos and stuff like this. I mean, there's plenty of work for them.
1: Well, it's just like anything else that that's like you said, a specialization no. of of that.
0: But yeah, okay. well, but all all well it ends well again.
1: <laughs> Speaking of, uh, how do I want to phrase this? St- well, going back to video game law, copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we were really excited to do This
0: this story hurts. This cuts deep.
1: This cuts this cuts this real hurts. deep. One of the things you can do while in Tokyo, which we are going to go in April,
0: in a month basically,
1: is a little company called Mari Car. And if you go to their website JP, it is a company that uh okay, let me just you dress up like your characters from the Mario universe and you ride around in go karts in downtown Tokyo. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, a million times yes. It sounds so amazing. I I know I have a friend who did it last year.
1: And we saw uh somebody's uh like a GoPro. Yeah, they they
0: actually lend you the camera to record the whole thing yeah. too. Yeah. And
1: so you know, you wear the mask, you just like Yoshi, You're just like Bowser, you're just like Mario, Luigi, Princess, all that kind of yep. junk. Uh well, Nintendo got wind of it. <laughs> And has filed a lawsuit against Marikar. And it, according to this article on Kotaku, there's a couple different go-karting businesses in Tokyo Letter Street Legal. Uh, Ab- a- Akiba Kart is another one. Uh-huh. Or Click Car, I think is how you pronounce that other one, which is in Shibuya. But they're suing Marikar over copyright infringements, as well as for... Alleged, allegedly violating the country's unfair competition prevention act now i'm not a specialized lawyer in japanese law but i call like shenanigans on this
0: <laughs> so are you calling shenanigans on nintendo filing it or are you calling yeah. shenanigans on the company for doing it?
1: On, on nintendo suing them
0: i have to tell you this is the most blatant and obvious copyright infringement <laughs> no, no, I i've know, ever it's seen covered-
1: I, I know it's copyright <laughs> infringement i i'm not I'm not okay, I'm not disagreeing with that, but I think it's silly for them to sue them. Why not instead work with them because it's obvious that they're getting a lot of business. I've seen so many people the
0: story like yeah, and the news is spreading about it, like Kotaku had an article a few months ago and other places were spreading the articles, yeah,
1: and it's all positive stuff, so why can't instead of suing them, why can't they work out a deal? Why't could they
0: license it or something you yeah. know, like 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 pay Nintendo a fee get official costumes i I mean mean,
1: they have like pretty good costumes but it's just we were really excited to to do this and now it looks like we're not going to be able to we in fact just maybe a couple days before this article in kotaku came out had purchased our international driving (laughs) license oh
0: boy that it's really unfortunate i mean it's not like it was that expensive and now, maybe if we want to, we could rent a car. Good Lord, in Tokyo. I do
1: not want to drive a car in
0: Tokyo. I kind of I want to. No, you can't
1: read any of the signs. I don't need to read.
0: I was a, I'm a naturally good driver. I was oh, born to drive.
1: Come on. But anyway, so
0: yeah, I mean, this is just a little story we want to touch on, but it hit us close to home because, well, quite frankly, we were really excited to do this and now... It looks they're... like we're not going to... But, but the cool thing is we can still do it, just not the Mario themed one. Like, there are still other go-karting to do around, I which I think would still be fun to do. So, I, you know, it's still going to be fun. We're still going to do it.
1: We're still going to do it.
0: And who knows? These guys will probably still be doing it while they're trying to figure out. Who knows? Maybe the company will shut down. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever happens, we're going to go go-karting in Tokyo. That's yes. what I do know. Yes. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. Maybe I want I to
1: wanna do, do the night driving because it just with Tokyo all lit up and everything. It just it's beautiful. I think it'd be beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful. I, think,
0: I think it'd be super cool because if I could drive go-karts in like Chicago at night or New York City, I think that would be <laughs> awesome. Like Times Square driving go-karts around. Oh, man, it'd be great.
1: But so that hit us a little hard. Um, the whole go karting in Tokyo. Yeah. Mm.
0: And it's such a neat idea. Like, look up Maricar, M A R I C A R on like YouTube and watch some of the videos. It's just hilarious. Just it, awesome. It just
1: looks like a lot of fun. But okay. Okay,
0: so then obviously that was just a quick story. That had nothing to do really with the theme, I guess. No, um, it didn't.
1: Well, but I guess we did
0: talk about doing that before. So we're kind. Of, that's that's it's a developing story. There you go. About about TBD. us.
1: Well, last week we talked about... Was it last week? It
0: was sure. it two weeks ago. It
1: might have been. It know. was two weeks
0: ago because uh, I actually got a lot of Twitter play on this one. Did and, uh, you? Yeah, I, was, I, was, I went on a Twitter rant, some would call
1: it. Well, again, somebody at GameStop is listening to us. Somebody in the higher up muckety-muck. Big mugwump kind of thing. I think
0: they've been listening to me ever since I left. You know, like they're um, they, they like, you know what, this Greg guy really knows what he's doing. We can't lose him, so we'll bug his house. <laughs> we'll listen to his podcast and we'll make sure that everything, because everything this guy touches turns to gold, clearly. <laughs> and he's really got everything together.
1: <laughs> well, we, we reported on the fact that GameStop had this controversial program within their company called The Circle of Life, which really. Kind of touts the importance of you called it what the four pillars.
0: Yeah, so the four pillars is actually what it was called at one time. Ah, so it but it makes sense. So yeah, there's four there's four pillars of what the circle of life is.
1: So that includes I wrote this down so I nice. remember. So I would sound really smart. Subscriptions, subscriptions
0: used, to Game Informer,
1: to Game Informer. To a specific, sorry, yeah. used game sales, pre orders for games, and trade ins. Mm-hmm. Now what we have found is that it's changing this week, I think, next week?
0: Yeah, so so apparently, um, I believe this week, all the district managers were at a meeting in Texas. It, like Every year, the district managers have like a week-long oh. training meeting. Mm-hmm. And apparently, they were there, and they discussed this, that they wanted to roll it out starting tomorrow, which, if you're listening to it on Monday, it's today. But for us, we're recording on Sunday, so it's tomorrow. Yes. Uh, and so they, they talked about it. And a lot of district managers, I guess, had a conference call on Friday. With their stores, but most district managers hold their conference calls on Mondays. Mm. So on Monday is typically when they're going to roll all the stuff out. So
1: okay, they're adjusting those four metrics and including an an additional pillar.
0: Yeah. So originally, (laughs) I guess the first big thing is that they're saying they're not going to. They're no longer going to at a corporate level track individual employee performance. Yes. So that way you won't have the infighting where, say, you were helping a customer on the floor on the sales floor. And they're like, you talk to about all these games and stuff. And then like, okay, cool, thanks. And they're looking around for a bit. You go on break, you come back. And oh, they went to the register and pre-ordered four games. Yeah,
1: somebody punched your... Well, her. yeah,
0: yeah. Joe Schmoe at the register just got credit for four pre-orders that you spent 20 minutes talking to. Mm-hmm. But again, it shouldn't matter. Competition between stores to do better, I understand. But driving competition between your own employees, it, it works to an extent. But you breed a culture of dangling the carrot. Mm-hmm. And so you, you breed this culture of competitive nature where everyone has to win. And if you're not winning, then you're not happy, and the only way to stay good is to offer incentives like, well hey the the top employee this week, I'm gonna give him a ten dollar gift card to the store like that's what a store manager would say, yeah, gamestop corporate's not gonna do that, but how does a manager motivate his people? You can't give them spiffs like extra pay for doing well. You can sometimes run contests like I would do that if say they gave me a free copy of a game I would like, say, hey, if anybody wants this game, you know, I'll tell you what, we'll do a month contest, best numbers at the end of the month gets the game. Right. Or and something I, like that.
1: It's more incentivized as opposed right. to seeing your name on a list and there's 20 people that you've never met ahead of you. Yes. Because they're all from different stores.
0: Well, I- exactly. And then giving you a number, it's like, oh, out of the 20,000 employees, you were number 10,005. You're like, well, that's not too bad. That's 50%. Like, that's pretty oh good. Like, how like, am I well, supposed
1: to understand what yeah. that means?
0: <laughs> so, So that's the first big change, I guess. And then the second big change, like you were saying, is they're Mm -hmm. adding a fifth pillar, which doesn't make any sense. So they're adding a fifth arrow in the circle of life. A
1: spoke in the wheel. A
0: new spoke in the circle of the wheel of life. They
1: should make it the hub. It's a hub (laughs) where GameStop is the hub and then it has the spokes.
0: And so this is directly going about what happened with the story that we reported on. The story that we had reported on originally was that Basically, stores were telling... Some stores, not all stores, some stores were telling customers they didn't have new copies of the game. And
1: only used games. Only had
0: used so they had a better chance of selling a subscription and they would get their used sales comp higher. So they felt like they had to do that in order to cheat the system, to game the system. Yeah. So apparently now they're adding new sales to that pillar. Mm-hmm. So that's a big step, obviously, for them because now they're counting new sales as an important part of the thing. Now, to be fair, I know GameStop well enough to know they weight those things differently. Uh, like when when we had rankings for our reviews and for our store performance at the end of the year, like our ranking, things were weighed differently. So reservations wouldn't be like would be weighed the most, and subscription would weighed up there. Your use sales comp would be a little bit less. Trades would be a little bit less than that. So they could make it where new game sales are weighted at five percent of the equation, uh, and then everything else is weighted at it's equal twenty percent or whatever to get you up there. So so
1: they're they're going in the right direction, obviously. Because they're listening to what people are saying and they don't like the negative press, right? So they're at least attempting to get a little bit of love back by saying, "Hey, we're going to get rid of like we value what you are saying and we're adjusting our program so that it doesn't look like you know GameStop employees want to kill themselves." Yeah, I mean,
0: it's it's them trying to save face a little bit. Obviously. And I think they've been losing ground in the video game market for quite some time. I mean, if you look at Best Buy, they have the Gamers Club Unlocked program, which if you spend 30 bucks for two years, you get 20% off all new games you buy. Mm-hmm. So I've saved easily probably $1,000 a year off of that program. Sure. Amazon is now matching that essentially. And if you have Amazon Prime and you buy a game in the first two weeks it's out, you get 20% off it brand.
1: No way. It's crazy.
0: What? Why would anyone ever buy a new game at GameStop anymore? There's just no point.
1: That's true. There
0: really is no point, and and well, so they're there's they're
1: the they
0: Well, and and that's why people go there. They go there for the staff, and they go there for everything else um, that that the staff offers. Like they want to go and meet the nice people, and they want to chat people about games. But they're 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 they've been slipping. They've been losing ground on I think the game stuff for quite a while. And obviously they do trade ins, which Best Buy and Amazon have started, but still can't do on a met uh, like a massively global level like gamestop does so that's really where their advantage still kind of lies um but it is it's interesting to see them shift i love the fact that kotaku kind of busted this story wide open Mm -hmm. and it's somehow some medium-sized video game blog you know not trashing kotaku but they're just you know they're not like the the biggest ones around and they were able to crack a story that made a billion dollar company change policies. And that's awesome.
1: Well here's what I don't get. I mean, how long would you say this whole circle of life program I know that you said that it was called something else, but how long has this been actually a part of GameStop?
0: Well, when I were when I every, ever since I've been there, the stores have been ranked. So so when I started there I started there in February of two thousand and even then we would get emails saying how our store did. And I remember even having a boss at the time, like we were so happy how we did one time when she was on vacation and me and the other guy were like bragging about how we did. And, and, you know, we said something like, Hey, we got this many reserves, you know, we're really proud. And she looked at us and said, well, what about, and then she showed us this other metric that we didn't do so good on. Now, of course you could argue bad managing on her part with her being kind of rude about that. Mm-hmm. But she said that. And I can like, think of myself was, yeah, cause you're right. It's not just one piece of the puzzle. So as far as, as long as I'd ever been there, they have been tracking it. Then they started, you know, getting more aggressive with what they called it. Then it was business strategies and marketing. So then it became the circle of life a long, long time ago. I might even still have one of the little business cards they gave us that actually has a circle of life on it. Like, we expect, (laughs) you know, as a good manager, keep it in your pocket. Keep it in your wallet. You know, show show, it. I mean, yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, that company was really good at getting people motivated and believing that there was nothing else better out there for you.
1: What is the, is it, uh... What movie has a jump to conclusions, Matt? Is that Office Space?
0: Was that How I Met Your Mother? That was one of the board games that Lily's dad made, Jump no, to Conclusions? No, I... I there's, there's... No, no, you're right. It was Office Space. Yeah, he, after he gets hit by the car, the drunk driver, he invents the game when he's at home. Yeah. Jump to Conclusions, yeah.
1: The
0: jump to conclusions, yeah, Matt. That, yeah, <laughs> So, um, so anyway, so... so they, I, they
1: that was So super off topic, but... <laughs> it was funny. Um, no, I, like, I like this because... I, I I mean I've shopped at GameStop. I never felt like the ones that I shopped at the employees were really pushy. And when I've gone there the employees have always been really happy, but that doesn't mean that they're not getting pressure and they're not feeling overwhelmed. And that to me is really bad. Is a really bad practice for a large company to 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 perpetuate. You know, yeah. it's like when you're when you're trotting and and ripping apart your employees because you have to get better numbers and you're doing that by including and and introducing pressure and and you have to sell more 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 that's just that's just unnecessary stress I mean video games are supposed to be fun and to me it's like I don't want an employee to have that look in their eye of, I need to make this sale, or I need to get this pre-order, or I need to sell the subscription to Game Informer, or I'm going to lose my job.
0: Well, one of my favorite lines from Super Troopers is when the one, the the head of the the sheriff is like, desperation is a stinky cologne.
1: Yes. And it's
0: very true when it comes to sales. And most people are not great salesmen. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You don't need to be a great salesman to sell. But you, you know, so you have a company like GameStop that they've always they've always kind of ruled by fear when it came to this. So like it, it was always, if you don't hit these numbers, you're going to get fired. It was never, if you hit a certain amount of numbers, you'll get a raise. Or if you hit a certain amount of numbers, you'll get a bonus. It was always, if you don't hit a certain amount of numbers, you're going to get fired and you're going to get written up. So they kind of rule that way. And and they treat it like it's a commission based thing. Like if you don't hit your 20 reservations and 10 subscriptions this month, like you're going to get a write up. well, Okay, so what happens if I do hit it? Oh, I get my paycheck because I did my job. Yeah,
1: I don't it's, nothing. It's, <laughs> you get
0: nothing. I was actually told that by a boss one time that uh, he told me that his thank you was my paycheck. Oh
1: my god! Yeah, I was I was
0: literally told that by by a boss one time that uh, you know because I told him I told him one time that that's what I need as a motivator. Here, here's here's a life lesson to anybody who wants to be a manager or be a, a business owner when you work with employees or be a team leader of anything really, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. met in retail whatever it is. A good teacher, a good manager. You teach or you manage how they learn, not how you want to teach. Right. It's the, it's, the, it's the first thing you'll learn about being a good manager is you don't just teach one way and then expect them all to fall in line and do things your way. It doesn't work. Um, unless, of course, you only hire people that learn the way you teach and then you've got this kind of dull, everyone's the same sort of yeah. mentality. So you have to adapt to that. So when I was telling him was, you know, I, I need a district manager who's going to, be a little more complimentary of me and let me know like even if I'm like and it sounds really dumb because it's it's shallow on my part to an extent but like I needed district manager was gonna tell me I was doing good even if I was doing good every single week Mm -hmm. just because I did good every single week doesn't mean that I didn't still need to hear that I was doing really well and so because I was doing really well every week all the time he was just like well what am I gonna do Compliment you for the 10th time this year about how good you are I'm like yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, please. And I was like, sometimes <laughs> just a nice thank you is mm-hmm. nice. Thank you, Greg, for always having the top store in the district. Thank you for always putting yourself second and your store first. Thank you. And then I kind of brought that up to him, and I was—he's like, "Well, you know, what? I think my thank you is the fact that you get a paycheck every two weeks." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> do you? And, and that—if that wasn't the start of the end, I don't know what was. Oh my god! I mean, that—that that was so off-putting to me. And it that really was, is. I mean, how do you demotivate? someone more than than that you know and somebody like me who was I mean I was the ultimate company guy mm-hmm. I was going to stay at that company forever I was trying to get promoted work through the system which obviously you look at to past now and I'm very glad I didn't I'm very happy where I am now everything's amazing now but like what the heck you know like how how, how do managers like that's such a bad management you know mm-hmm. it's just terrible management
1: well and it reminds me of of an experience that I had where I was at a you know, at a meeting and I, I'm a doodler, I'm a fidgeter. I I can't, I have to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. I'm a big uh, yarn craft. So I do a lot of crocheting when I'm at home and everything, but I was doodling during this meeting and my, my supervisor pulled me aside afterwards and and said, "You you can't do that. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Doodling all during that meeting. And this was like, many 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 years ago so I was very young and I was like well what are you gonna do about it buddy (laughs) but I didn't handle it very well and but he also didn't handle it well because he didn't deliver the message in a way that I was actually going to stop and think about what he was saying he delivered it in a very aggressive sort of manner and it immediately put me on a defensive where I felt like he didn't understand where I was coming from because I, I, I need to do it. I'm still paying attention, but I need to do something with my hands. And it was just a terrible experience between the both of us. And it really kind of soured the relationship that mm-hmm. we had from then on. And it's just, you know, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I've worked with some really great managers in my work history, and I've worked with some really not so great managers. Thankfully, I've never had a manager that's been completely checked out or hates their life, hates their job. I've Mm -hmm. always been fortunate to at least work with managers that care about the business and care about what they're doing, but maybe weren't the best at managing people. Right. Which is a very important trait to have. And I agree completely with my background in education. Learning every child's, uh, learning style or understanding every child's learning style is really important because then you can cater your message to how they're going to best learn something. Some are, I mean, the three auditory, visual, and kinesthetic. So do they need to do it themselves? Do they need to hear it or do they need to see it? Right. And it just kind of branches off from there because some of then that leads into Well, if it's auditory, how do you deliver that message and how does that how is that person going to react if you give that uh, give that message in a different way? One of the things is like if you know that person is a really competitive person, you can turn what you need them to do into a competition. You know what I mean? Like it's all about. What that person's strengths are strengths are, my motivator is empathy and harmony and wanting everybody to work together, so if I have the opportunity to do that, that motivates me
0: yeah one scene i I am a super competitive person
1: <laughs> and I am not so so for me,
0: I actually liked the ranking system at gamestop it kept me on my toes, it kept me from getting you know. Lax. It kept me it kept me going, you know. And then um last thing about this story, so the other thing I'll say about management is rule number two, for being a good manager, teacher, or leader in general, happy employees are productive employees.
1: Oh, most definitely. If
0: if you can find what makes your people happy, and that's that was the tricky part at GameStop, because corporate policy made it nigh impossible to enjoy your job there, mostly because like they don't pay very well. So you don't have a financial motivator. Uh, there's a high stress. And so how do you get those people So you get people to follow you. So nobody was working at my store. Nobody was working hard to make GameStop extra money. They were working hard for me. I, I put my time in. I worked hard so that they would follow me and respect me. Mm-hmm. And that's what it really came down to. So that's, which oftentimes a good manager has to do that. You have to find a way to relate to your team. And if it's, if it's by being down, you know, it's being on the battlefield with them or if it's, again, it depends on their styles, but you, you find different ways. But anyway, that was, you know, we just want to touch back on that story because I just find it very impressive that, you know, this article written on the internet was able to sway a billion dollar company. Most I think it's definitely.
1: Creative. And one thing I do want to mention before we kind of put a little capstone on it, if anybody's interested in finding out what motivates them, there is actually a really great book out there by um, Tim Wraith. Rath, I think. Rath? Rath? Tom. Tom. Did I say Tim? Yeah. Tom. Rath. R-A-T-H. That's called Strengths Finder. And what it is, I would say before you even read the book, there's a code in every new purchase of the book. And that code brings you to a website. Well, obviously you have to go to a computer and type in the website. But you get a code to take this test. And it's a... Would you rather do this or do this? And you plot, you know, how likely you would be, are you know, extremely likely to lean this way or extremely likely to lean the other way? or Are you somewhere in the middle? And what you end up getting is a list of your strengths and what your strengths, your top five are what motivates you, what can become eventually a weakness. Uh, to give you an example of how that could happen, one of my top strengths is input. I love to learn and to learn more about certain things that I don't know. How that can be a weakness is that it becomes obsessive. If I don't know something, I have to look it mm, up. Okay. So you see how it can yeah. tip in one way or another. But that's a really good motivator for me because if I don't know something or somebody asks me to research a subject, I'm all over that because that's all I want to do is learn more about this topic and become the expert.
0: And what we all know is... I'm a nerd. (laughs) Well, obviously we know that. But knowing is half the battle. Oh. (laughs) You just have to know. You just have to know.
1: But uh, I really do recommend it. Uh, Strengths Finder from Gallup. uh, Tom Rath does this book. It's like 16 bucks. But definitely take the quiz first and then learn all about your strengths after. Because I feel like if you read what their strengths are, you may wait different questions differently because you know, sure. oh, I want this to be my strength. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. Take the quiz first and then read about what that means yeah. and how that motivates you and how it can
0: Don't cheat. Become. Although maybe if you do cheat, maybe there's a special chapter in the back that says like <laughs> cheat finder. <laughs> like, hey, we know, we know you didn't answer the questions properly. So you're this kind of person. And mm-hmm. It gives you a whole page description yeah. of what a piece of crap you are.
1: <laughs> I want you to take this because I think it'd be really interesting to see what you're do. I'll your, take that test,
0: test later. Bookmark that. I'll take that test I, later. I, I love stuff like that. Yeah, it's really I, I, like, cool. I like websites that tell me how much smarter I am than the average person. Because, like, <laughs> where, did mean... you ever take
1: like those IQ tests where they're like, oh, answer all these 10 questions? And it's like, look at this. My IQ is 150. No,
0: I've never done that, actually. <laughs> you haven't? Oh. I probably should.
1: All right. I want to talk about the story that I wanted to talk about. This like,
0: is 100% your this story. This is 100% me. I, I was like, no. And then you kicked me and pushed me down on the ground. I did. And I then took your
1: milk money. You
0: took my. You took my milk money, and then you sat on me and said, "I'm not getting up until we do this story." Is basically what happened.
1: Yep, that's exactly.
0: That happens a lot.
1: That happens. We have, we <laughs> wish we got it on video, but we didn't. All right, uh, a Twitch streamer by the name of Peter Delgado Kuselcek. Okay, he is a.
0: That's quite the diverse. Yes. Well, name. he's
1: he's half Polish, I think, and half mexican okay so he's polexican huh i just made that part up he's in his um late 20s and his goal over the last three years is to stream and beat all 714 original nintendo i'm
0: curious where he's getting that number from is that so is that number
1: well it says 679 games that were released in north america And thirty-five PAL exclusive games. Okay. So he's for the games that didn't have a strict win condition, he just played it till it kept looping, and he couldn't get any farther. But he even went as far as to spend, I think, over ninety hours playing Miracle Piano Teaching (laughs) System. (laughs) So it's not even a game. No, but he it teaches you how to play piano. <laughs> and i mean he he put he uh has this probably i would yeah it's like almost a 20 minute video of the best of him learning this and going through all of the things so i don't really know how how much he actu- well, actually well i actually do know he spent 90 90- Plus hours learning this.
0: Wouldn't it be awesome if he actually learned how to play piano?
1: He says that he pretty much did. He was able to teach himself how to play at least enough to beat the game, which has thirty-seven lessons in it. Okay, or thirty-six or thirty-seven lessons in it. And I watched part of it, and I mean, it gets pretty sophisticated as as you go on, and without ever playing piano, it seems doable. And I was actually asked you if you'd ever gotten him in the store, but as of right now while we're as while we're, we're recording, recording at 1 p.m. he is at world eight he's currently fighting that's bowser that's
0: bowser is he about to finish he, he might finish be. mario 3
1: ah this is so fun and he's been playing mario 3 for uh an hour and 43 minutes currently oh there he is he did it
0: he just did it he just yep. did it he just like literally as we we didn't actually didn't plan that at all like no. like we're, we had to stream on the background <laughs> and we thought we'd check it so he literally just uh
1: so total time spent oh he looks really happy um three thousand four hundred and thirty five hours 12 minutes and 24 seconds oh there's peach i've never seen the end of this game
0: oh <laughs> that's right because we were playing this Remember, we had our mario three days and we were playing this and then we got to the stupid water level with the big fish and the uh-huh. game just beat the crap out of us like it was really sad. Like we were doing really good. We had a whole bunch of live setup. We're like, man, this game's kind of easy, you know? Yeah, we're, we're, we're like, we're, we're
1: totally can do it. And then it. that
0: freaking water level. Yeah, <sighs>
1: that was a pretty pretty tough one. That's amazing. He spent the last three years doing this, tre- wow. streaming it on Twitch. We just tuned in. That
0: literally worked out perfectly. That was, that was perfect.
1: awesome. <laughs> um, but yes, his, his um Twitch name is the Mexican Runner, and he wanted to beat all seven hundred and fourteen. And he just did it within the last minute or so, so and he had
0: he has twelve thousand he has almost 30, he has thirteen thousand people watching him right now
1: right now. and he has a uh, four That's total views. Four point yeah. eight million That's total great. views. Good but on him, see. man. How do I find out how many people like subscribe to him? I thought.
0: can you if you haven't logged in?
1: I could on that other one, huh. a different one.
0: I don't know. But yeah, so anyway, that's really cool. It was, it was a neat thing.
1: It was really neat. And I found it really crazy. And it was almost based on somebody's sarcastic comment to say, well, why don't you beat all the games? And he's like, well, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> and it never crossed his mind to give up. You know, he, he almost had a little bit of an obsession about it. He wanted to do it. I mean, and after spending 91 hours playing magic teach, piano teacher, what is it called?
0: Miracle, Mir- piano, Miracle teaching.
1: piano teaching system. You know, he was around, you know, playing game fifty, started to realize that the project could take years, but looks like it only took him three years to beat every NES right. game. So That's well great. done, Peter. That's well awesome.
0: Done. Um and and part of the reason this story came up, like, this is a really great story, and unfortunately, like we don't we don't like to leave on on negative notes typically. Um but there was some really rough news uh, in, in the video game world this week and uh, we wanted to touch on it and it kind of came along with that story a little bit just as far as streaming and how important it is and, and, and like to people and, and, and how it is to, to grow and, and to be a streamer and to do it for a living. Mm-hmm. And um, on the 20, I believe it was the 23rd of February. Um, the story started picking up that there was a streamer during a 24 a hour stream. He passed away. Like right. he actually died in the middle of a stream and, now, he didn't die in camera, anything crazy like that. This isn't about shock value. No. Um, but he, he basically got up for a smoke break after like hour 22, about three o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and then just never came back. And so people thought he fell asleep or that, you know, something happened. And then later when one of, his, um, when one of the admins on his page tried to message him, it was actually a police officer messaged him back right. and said, hey, we're investigating the death of this person. And so I saw that story and I was like, wow, I mean, that's really sad, obviously. And you, you, you know, you hope that his family's doing well. He was a father of three, I think it he said. He was
1: 35 and a father of three. He was three.
0: 35. And so you look at that and you go, I mean, what, what, a, what a loss. I mean, you, you never want to see anybody go. You don't want to see a family guy go. And, and it's awful. And you think, well, that's one of those really weird, weird, rare occurrences of just, you know, maybe it was a heart attack, whatever it ended up. Mm-hmm. And then all these articles start popping up. In the days that follow, about other people. One one of them is a guy. Do you have that one up? The the, uh, the guy who yeah. basically said that. Yeah, right there. So like he says that basically trying to make it as a Twitch streamer almost killed him. Right. And This is another story. And so this guy. And then what's in, in what's funny though is we're, we're listening to this story, we're reading through this, and he tells a story of somebody else he knew that mm-hmm. died last year.
1: Right. So, uh, this, this was in April, 2000, 2016. So, last April. And it was, uh, the...
0: Dalsarius 82
1: Right. Found, just found dead on the floor by his wife. He was a streamer. This is from a Kotaku article from Friday. He was a streamer who always raided me when I... Started in the early morning. This hit home. He was in his 30s. I was in my 40s. Yeah. So
0: the guy who says he almost died is in his 40s. And this guy he played with a knew well and knew a lot was in his 30s when he died. Right. So now we're looking at this. We're saying, okay, hold on. Now, obviously, when sometimes when a story comes out, a lot of little stories come out or are brought to light by a bigger story kind of catching on. But the more they keep coming out, you have to keep saying, like, what's going on? You know, and so we decided to look into a little bit more. And it's tough because like we don't I don't think we were planning to do this for a living. Like we, we wanted to do this. And, and I like to stream occasionally. I think it's really fun. And I do like an audience. And I wish I, I had a big audience of streaming because I think I'm entertaining. and I think people would watch me. But I have so many other things going on and, and everything like that. And it's hard to do. It's hard to find a schedule. And it's hard to play games for other people's enjoyment when you just want to play them for your own enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And uh, but so I, I see some of these things and I start to think, well they're basically trying to be the best they can be at their job because they a lot of them look at it like this is their 100 percent job and while i think it i don't want to say it's think it's silly i just think that it's a tough thing to do like people people glamorize it like man wouldn't it be great to play games all day and get paid well not necessarily if you have to basically no. be a be a reality star is what you are that's and what I, you're getting paid to do you're not getting paid just to play games playing I, games is just how you connect with the people that want to watch you
1: I think it's also hard to know when to stop. You mentioned that sometimes people do view this as a full-time job, but on the flip side, some people actually play in addition to working a day job. So they end up streaming most right. of the night. And how much of a balance is that? Because now you don't have a work-life balance, you have a work-work balance right. that for a job that you can't stop doing. You have to stream. On a schedule. Otherwise, you're not going to get your followers to follow you because they're going to say, okay, well, your page says you you stream Tuesdays and Thursdays and I come here every Tuesday and Thursday and you're not doing anything. So unsub.
0: A a lot of the people that watch Twitch streamers and stuff like that, they have shorter attention spans. So, yeah, if you have a schedule and you don't keep it, they're not going to show up for your schedules if they think you don't keep it. Although, to be fair, that's just like me having hours at my store. Like if I say I'm open every day, 10 to eight, mm-hmm. and then you come in a day at noon and I'm just closed and there's no note, it's, oh, that's funny. Um, it, it, When when you say that, you know, then people go, well, I don't know if I can go there because he may not be open. He wasn't last time, you know? Right. Now I think it's a little bit easier just to quickly check and see if someone's Twitch streaming. You know, it's not like you're driving to a physical location well, to watch sure. me stream, but you know, unlike a store, but um, you know, I look at it like if they want to be a job and they want to be the best at their job, right? So say the same thing works for somebody who works on commissions. I made this earlier when we were chatting about this, this analogy. So say it's like a door-to-door vacuum salesman. Mm -hmm. The more vacuums he sells, the more money he makes. So he works his butt off. He works 14, 15-hour days. He goes to more houses than anybody. He walks around. He goes door-to-door, and he gets more money than everybody else. He'll be a better salesman than the guy who only goes to a couple houses a day. And maybe skips out a couple days a week. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's gonna make more money to be a better salesman, right? I think it applies perfectly to what we're talking about here. However, what's the difference then? You say so you look at it and you go, okay, well, what's the big difference then between someone like that working himself to the bone mm-hmm. and a streamer working himself to the bone? And and I guess what I come to is I come to the the quality of life. I guess so. These streamers are typically not moving for five, six, seven to ten hours at a shot. Mm-hmm. Maybe getting up to use the bathroom, but even even here, one of the articles, this guy, the guy that says he almost died, he says that half the time he wouldn't take a bathroom break because if he left, he'd lose at least a couple streamers just because he was AFK for five minutes.
1: And that, to me, is really dangerous, too, because you run the risk of a whole multitude of health problems. I mean, not just, you know, gastrointestinally, but even, like... You can get bladder infections. You can get kidney in- infections. I mean, those are really dangerous things that will send you to the hospital. Yeah.
0: And you need sleep. Right. You need sleep. And and a lot of these people are sleep deprived. I mean, he was doing a 24-hour stream, which don't get me wrong. That's not bad every now and then to do.
1: And the the article that we were talking about before, the, the previous, the one who unfortunately passed, passed away, it. he was doing a fundraiser for March of Dimes? or
0: I don't remember what the charity was. Oh, it was... was um,
1: no, make a wish foundation. Make a wish foundation. So I mean, it's not like they're just some. For the most part, a lot of them are doing it these long, extended playing sessions for a reason. Yeah. But then you have the ones that just stream for eight hours a day, just because. And and
0: they and again they they want to make their money doing it, and that's fine. But now imagine that. So they're not getting enough sleep. They're probably eating things that are very fast to make or they're getting fast food or delivery or because super, they don't want to yeah, leave, super right?
1: super um,
0: Or super processed where they can just pop in the microwave, nuke something, and then eat it. These people that are streaming this often, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then they're not exercising. I mean, that, it doesn't matter if you're playing video games or if you're working, you know, sitting at a desk all day, you know, writing code. If you're doing those same bad habits, it's just as bad for you whatever you're doing. Well,
1: and I remember, you know, A while ago when I was eating a lot of processed food, I was drinking a lot of alcohol, not in excess where I was, you know, hammered, but just it was a part of my lifestyle more so than it is now. Like Now I I don't drink nearly as much as I used to, but I just felt gross all the time, you know, just felt kind of like my skin was bad and I just felt like it was just like it just grody that's the perfect example nice i can't admit like like if i eat something like super processed like one night i feel kind of gross the yeah. next day but then i eat something really good or really like healthy or you know what i normally eat yeah and i feel better i couldn't imagine feeling that way all the time
0: yeah well and, and what what's one of the rules i have when when we go to bed I never look at my phone once the lights are off, Mm -hmm. even though there's a night mode. and You can put that on so you don't get that crazy white and blue light that kind of or the white light that keeps you awake. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't do it because it keeps me awake and it kind of burns my eyes out. And so once I'm in bed, like I, you know, so I want to make it very clear, though, that we're not at all condemning them for their lifestyles. And we're not saying what they're doing is wrong. But I think when we start to look at this stuff, people need to take better care of themselves. And I think that's a problem in this country. Like a lot of people may or may not know this that listen to this. I lost a lot of weight. Um, I've lost over a hundred pounds from when I started doing my weight loss. Um, I unfortunately gained a little bit back, but not, I lost, not, 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 as not as much as, as I, not as much as, but, but I, I, um, I lost a lot of weight and that was probably to be fair, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my whole life. It was way harder than starting my own business. It was way harder than,
1: than, 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 than,
0: than, <laughs> uh, than, than stealing Jen's heart. That was easy actually. I'm so charming. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so like, it was really difficult because we, we live in a society that it's easier and faster and more convenient to not be healthy. Right. And so again, I'm not preaching on these guys to be healthier. They should want to be on their own. But when you put yourself, part of the reason I was able to lose my weight was because I built a, uh, a regiment, essentially I built a routine and if I didn't follow that routine perfectly. I wasn't losing any weight. So once you get into, and, and that a good routine is harder to do than a bad routine. And it's really easy to wake up and go, go to the fridge and go, man, I, I don't, uh, I can grab a filtered water. or I got a can of soda right here. And you pop it open. Mm-hmm. As silly as it sounds, that's easier than pouring a glass of water.
1: Well, that's like we were on our way to the grocery store this morning. We're like, well, we could just go to the drive-thru.
0: Yeah. We, we were going to go, we were originally planning to go to the grocery store to buy stuff, to make breakfast, to, to make a nice, like, breakfast um
1: like a hash. scramble yeah like scramble
0: and uh and then we're like well we could just go to mcdonald's and wow. we legitimately thought about it and then thankfully i had just that moment of strength <laughs> for, for for just the one us. second to pass the mcdonald's and i was like no no let's let's cook breakfast we haven't cooked breakfast and in
1: a while. quite honestly that was the best idea because that
0: uh, so much that
1: breakfast was the bomb
0: yeah we're pretty good cooks
1: we are and our breakfast is on point
0: yeah we, um, did, we, we just did regular this morning. We didn't do, like, we normally do breakfast quesadillas. Oh, but breakfast uh, this this morning, tomatoes. we just we just did a scramble because, you know, we're keeping it chill. Keeping it chill. Um, but anyway, so, you know, this this is obviously a really serious thing. And I, and I worry about people that, like, I, I actually respect to an extent people who are really dedicated to their craft. People who want to make it big in this realize they have to put the time in. They have to mm-hmm. put the work in. That's never going to change. That is our society. If you want to be the best, you have to put the time in. But what... At what cost? And what is it worth to be that guy? Is it worth your health? Is it worth your life? Clearly not, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, unfortunately, as as more and more studies come out, like I don't know, it's hard to believe a lot of stuff. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to just throw out fake surveys and stuff. But there's a lot of people out there that are. There's a lot of studies out there that talk about like massive use of social media and playing uh, on phones and social media and games leads to higher anxiety and more depression.
1: Well, right, because it's the whole, like, I think social media is a great tool, but it can't be your lifestyle because there's that whole, you're comparing yourself to everybody else. I actually watched a really great video. I, will might be able to find it at some point and I'll show it to you, but this, this guy talked about how what you see on social media is not real life because think about I think about a couple that you know that you're really close to and you see the good and the bad and their interactions on a daily basis and then compare what you see in real life versus what you see on social media which is what they choose to share like oh, all the happy cute selfies and the kissy kissy and whatever and that's what they choose to show the rest of the world and how skewed that information is so how can you have a healthy relationship in today's world When you think that that's what you see on social media is what a relationship is, you don't see the problems and the nitty gritty and the day to day trials that it comes with being in a relationship. Yeah. So compromising and working together and collaboration, you don't see that. You don't see the conversations that they have about really serious topics. You see the good. So, what do you think a relationship is going to be if you don't see? everything else you yeah. know
0: what i mean well and, and 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 younger people a lot of studies are coming out saying younger people are more depressed i mean we, we have to get real with the things we say and again as always i'm not going super political with this stuff but we have to understand that right now there is a, it's a different time we're living in than when when i was growing up when i was growing up there seemed to be less of a when like we were growing to, up. When, when we were growing up you know there, there seemed to be less of a like you didn't hear everybody complaining about crappy financial times you didn't hear everybody walking around with no money in their pocket. You mm-hmm. didn't hear all that stuff now. And as an adult, you hear that a lot. So there's a lot of other factors in society right now. There, you know, we're on this cusp of of, a I mean, of, of people being at at the end of their wits, you know, and and that's why we're seeing change in the political scene because people, albeit wherever they want to direct their anger, whether you think it's the right way or not, they're they're angry, and and how how do they express themselves, and, and how do they, you know, get what they want and right now there's just not a lot of compromise when it comes to what people are are getting i guess and so people are looking back. the point of me saying that is point are people are looking back to a, a happier time there's younger kids i think growing up that are anxious and depressed in school at 10 12 13 years old
1: right which
0: i honestly don't think i could ever relate to when i was that age we didn't i didn't have classmates going through that and I know I grew up in kind of a small podunk town, but I'm saying like, let's, let's say twenty twenty three 23 years ago, 24 years ago, I wasn't seeing 12, 13, and 14 year old students killing themselves.
1: No, but they were, but kids were worried about stuff that they didn't understand, such as, you know, during the eighties, kids were worried about nuclear war, like the cold war and, and nuclear war and worried about, you know, which I guess I
0: never was. I don't. I don't know, like, I I grew up and I I asked my mom about that a couple years ago. I was like, did you guys, like, was that a thing? Like, were you guys every night just being like, man, I'm worried that something's going to happen? She kind of said no. They didn't feel like it was like that.
1: Well, and I think that that's where the whole social media aspect comes in. Because, I mean, how many times have we gone to Facebook and seen the same article that we had already seen two or three months ago? And it's just been recycled through the Facebook yeah, Facebook. Feed or whatever. And, you know, imagine if every article gives you a a shot of anxiety or a jolt of adrenaline, it becomes exhausting to go on Facebook. And I've really cut back because I don't want to continually compare myself. I do feel after being on Facebook for 20 minutes or so, I feel more. I, I don't feel good. I feel like, oh, that yeah, person oh, does this and oh, that person's at this point in their life. and
0: Especially right now. I mean, most of the things you read are just straight garbage. It's people complaining and there's like the, you know, it's, it's always whiners or complainers or political whining or what, and it's just, it's all garbage. It's all negativity and you need less negativity in your life. Like I, I there's some unavoidable negativity that you're never going to be able to get rid of it completely. So why would you go looking for it
1: <laughs> when you're
0: already going to have plenty that you can't, dodge anyway you know and it's just one of those things but anyway not getting on a big social commentary and getting back to the point we were making mm-hmm. was just you know people need to take care of themselves and you know anybody out there who is a streamer who wants to be a streamer who wants to be famous I guess just really think about what it's worth it's not worth your life it's not worth your health and unfortunately especially at a younger age like 35 or 40 you're gonna be around for a while that's the plan so you need to take care of yourself now you know right? I'm glad I'm glad I did my weight loss when I did but I wish I had done it 10 years, 10 years early, You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I, I, I don't know what my end of life is going to be like knowing that I lost that 10 years, you know, I don't know. And, and, and so, and that was, and again, though, that was, that was also high stress working a lot. So it was high stress, bad habits, eating, overweight, all that sort of stuff. Now I eat a lot better. Uh, I've lost that weight and I sleep much better
1: mm-hmm. as you know, I, yeah. I
0: sleep very well, actually. <laughs> I sleep very well. <laughs> what? I, what are I wish, people
1: going to take away from that? I just I just wish people...
0: I guess what I'm just trying to tell people is it's so important. Like, figure out what you need to do to sleep well. Because getting a good night's sleep changes everything. It really does. I don't, I'm not going to preach no, about okay. getting a good sleep. I,
1: I thought you were, like, making some tongue-in-cheek reference to, to, like, me being a good snuggler.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. That helps.
1: <laughs> nice save, great oh, I mean, of
0: course. That's what I meant. But no, I mean, but that's, you know... But but please take care of yourselves and, and know that maybe sometimes, you know, we're perpetuating the cycle, too. Like if, if you're the type of person who goes on someone's Twitch channel and when they go up to use the bathroom, you're like, oh, this is so boring. And you leave. Maybe just uh-huh. kind of rethink what you're doing and, and the type of person, that, the type of consumer you want to be, I guess. Right. I don't know.
1: Well, I, I've decided that if I ever decide to do a Twitch streaming channel, that I'm going to bring up the treadmill and I will stream while walking on the treadmill.
0: There you go. Boom. we we'll get the elliptical up here and just elliptical.
1: Not the, that's, that's too hard to uh, one of these doing this. That's th- okay. That's this. <laughs> that's this. That's,
0: that's inappropriate. <laughs> You're lucky this is just an audio podcast. <laughs> Jeez.
1: But I think I would do that. Nobody steal that patent pending trademark copyright. I, I thought
0: about when I started doing do my weight loss, I thought about streaming it all. I thought about every night oh. doing like two hours of fitness gaming. So, that. like, everybody could, like, watch me, and I realized I am look disgusting, and I don't oh, want to... but
1: stop it. I'm, well,
0: I'm serious. Back then, though, no, I didn't like how I looked, and I I don't know why anybody would have wanted to look at me. Obviously, I... they would have looked at me in, like, a year. Me? You're sweet, babe. You're sweet. Aww. But but honestly, like, that, that's how I felt. Sure. So, it wasn't that that was the reality. That was my perception of the situation, and it was, you know, it was whatever, but... Anyway, it's just, you know, take care of yourselves people and We and, like
1: you. We want you to stay.
0: Yeah, we we want everyone to be happy and and uh, to have a good quality of life. So that's our show. That's it. I hope we didn't get too preachy at the end.
1: Just a little.
0: But we care about everybody and we want we I honestly believe the world's a better place if uh you're
1: if we here. all get there together. And know? and you're here.
0: Yeah. Everybody's here. Everybody. Um so that's our show. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Game Trade greg.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Game Talk Jen.
0: And you can always email us, or I should say just Facebook message us at Game Talk Radio on yes. Facebook or Game Trade on Facebook. You can message us questions. We'll happily read them. No one ever does, so we don't ever read them.
1: Nobody ever wants to email me. No
0: one ever wants to email you.
1: Nobody wants to tweet me.
0: But that's okay. You tweeted about a Shibu Inu. I Shiba! Shiba! Um, did you see my reply?
1: No. Oh,
0: well, you can read that later. But everyone, we appreciate you as listening, as always. And everyone, have a great day. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.